In a recent issue of the National Catholic Register, there was an article entitled, Exorcists Wanted. It was about the increasing demand for exorcists, competent exorcists, in a certain section of Italy. Here are the opening paragraphs. Bishops in northeastern Italy will create a task force of psychiatrists and doctors to help priests deal with an increasing demand for exorcisms. According to the communique issued by bishops of the Trivenento region, a growing number of people are psychologically disturbed, feel victims of curses, and other manifestations of what they believe is the work of the devil. In response, bishops have decided priests must be, quote, better prepared to deal with these requests for help, be able to listen and discern individual cases in order to ascertain the true nature of the complaint, provide care, and, if necessary, carry out an exorcism. Now, as that article indicates, not every request is legitimate. Sometimes people with psychological or emotional disorders think they're possessed or being harassed by the devil, and they're not. Hence, the bishops are assembling a task force of medical and mental health professionals to help evaluate individual cases. But the sheer volume of requests says something. It indicates that something strange is going on in this particular region of Italy. But you know what the real question is, my brothers and sisters, is it really that much different from what's going on in the rest of the world? Personally, I don't think so. In this Register article, a number of experts were asked to give their insights on the matter, and one of them very famous exorcist, has written books on the subject, Father Gabriel Amorth. He was quoted as saying that these cases are becoming more numerous because Italians, quote, are increasingly consulting magi, witch doctors, wizards, and involving themselves in satanic sects, satanic groups, cults. In other words, they are opening the door to demonic influences in their lives by dabbling in the occult. But you know what? That kind of thing is going on everywhere in the world. It's going on right here in Westerly. And amazingly, highly educated people are very often involved in these activities. It's not just the poor and the uneducated who are seeking power, who are seeking guidance from the world of spirits. It's PhDs and CEOs as well. Perhaps that's because the occult has been very cleverly mainstreamed in recent decades.
In other words, it's been made to appear as relatively normal. I'll tell you some things that have contributed to this. The Harry Potter books. I'm not telling you you shouldn't read them, but know what's going on here. Those books are helping to mainstream the occult, to make it appear normal. After all, don't all young children dabble in magic? That's the message you're given in those books. How about the TV programs that glorify the occult? Charms. Crossing over. Ghost whisperer. Medium. I had forgotten about that one. Until I was watching the football game last night and in between their commercial time there was an advertisement for that particular show. Go home, open your newspaper. Westerly Sun, doesn't matter which one. Westerly Sun, New London Day, Providence Journal. Somewhere in there you're going to find your daily horoscope. That's the occult. Many Christians read their horoscopes religiously. I wish they read their Bibles even half as much. People have their palms read. You can get your palm read right up on Franklin Street if you want. You can have your fortune told there. People love to do it at county fairs. It's chic. It's cool. They even do it at house parties. Teenagers play around with Ouija boards. Even preteens do. Young girls have little seances at sleepovers. It's chic, it's cool. Let's see if we can get in contact with a spirit out there. Oh, you will. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Even occult jewelry has become popular. Charms of various sorts. How about the so-called Italian horn? which, by the way, is worn by people who are not Italian as well. A lot of times they wear them around their necks on a chain, right next to their crucifixes. It's ironic, is it not? Our modern, supposedly sophisticated and highly scientific world is turning away from the worship of the one true God and moving little by little into occultism. While the ancient magi, that we heard about in today's Gospel reading, those guys renounced their occultism and turned to the worship of the one true God and of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because that's what was happening, at least in part, during their visit to our Lord. This is something that I learned recently from Dr. Scott Hahn of the Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio. Dr. Hahn's a theology professor there. He's done many tapes. Some of you have heard his tapes. On one of them, Professor Hahn says that these magi, these ancient stargazers, who were more than likely from Persia, modern-day Iran, he says that these men were, in all likelihood, also practitioners of the black arts. That's the expression he uses. In other words, they were into the occult, big time. And he bases that assertion on the three gifts they brought to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. According to Dr. Hahn, 
These items were some of the tools of the trade, so to speak, in the ancient world. People who were into the occult back then frequently used gold, frankincense, and myrrh in their secret rituals. But the key point is that these magi presented the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the newborn king in the manger. They literally laid them down in the presence of the Son of God, which meant that they were implicitly renouncing them. You see, these magi were very scholarly people. You know, we have people who have PhDs today that are into the occult. These magi were highly educated Persians who were also into the occult. But they were familiar with philosophy and the religions of other peoples, so they no doubt were familiar with passages of the Hebrew scriptures like Deuteronomy 18, which condemned occult activity. Listen to this text. Again, Deuteronomy 18. Let there not be found among you anyone who immolates his son or daughter in the fire, nor a fortune teller, soothsayer, charmer, diviner, or caster of spells, nor one who consults ghosts and spirits or seeks oracles from the dead. Anyone who does such things is an abomination to the Lord. So these magi knew that if they intended to submit themselves to the infant king of the Jews and honor him properly, they knew they were going to have to renounce their past involvement with occult activities that Deuteronomy 18 condemned and the rest of the Hebrew scriptures condemned. And they did. And we need to do the same thing lest we open the door to spiritual powers beyond our control. I thank God I have not had too many interesting experiences dealing with these matters, but I have had a few. And it shook me up. It was... Very interesting. And I just assume not have to deal with it again. The best way, of course, for Catholics to renounce past occult practices is by bringing them right there into the confessional. Confessing them in the Sacrament of Reconciliation normally breaks any hold that they might have on us and on our lives. It's doing explicitly what the Magi did implicitly when they gave their three gifts to the Christ child. Through the intercession of St. Michael the Archangel, who is our great defender and helper against the devil, through the intercession of St. Michael, may all those who need to hear this message today, hear it, take it to heart, and then act upon it as soon as possible by getting to confession.